You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Toyota social media supervisor Scott Dieger goes on the record online. Customer service is actually sending people to our newsroom and to those posts and answering their questions. So it's, it's been a really good avenue to uh, handle a lot of that and to get our point of view out there. This is a conversation with the uh, social media supervisor at Toyota. His name is Scott Dieger, and I first met him uh, when I was hired to lead a new media social media training course at Toyota for their communications uh, staffers and many of their agencies. Subsequent to that, my company, iPressroom, was fortunate enough to win a bid to build their online newsroom. And this is a discussion with him about what he's learned and what Toyota has learned uh, through the process of building a uh, an online newsroom uh, with video and audio and, and other um, social media uh, integration, and also uh, how they decide uh, what to put on their Flickr feed versus their Twitter feed versus their YouTube feed versus their online newsroom, um, and how this evolution is playing itself out at their organization. I hope you enjoy it. I am going to play it for you in its entirety after this. Hi, this is Chris Bechtel, and I'm the Vice President of Products and Services with iPressroom. Today, we're talking about one of our core offerings, the online press room. Using iPressroom's media platform content management system, non-technical communications pros can easily upload, manage, measure, and distribute their content in a full-featured, branded online press room. See pressroom.target.com for an example. The same is available on a smaller scale as well for nonprofits, smaller organizations, and mid-sized companies. If you'd like to learn more, feel free to email us questions to info at ipressroom.com or visit us on the web at www.ipressroom.com slash demo. Scott Yeager, Social Media Supervisor at Toyota USA Motor Sales. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So uh, walk us through um, your, your uh, career arc at uh, Toyota, because I know you started in media relations, and now you're social media. Yeah, I originally uh, came in and did a rotation in media relations, and, and back then, you know, it was straightforward. Uh, the press releases, the biographies, I handled most of that. Uh, toward the end of that rotation, I was approached by a, a group of gentlemen over on our information technology side who were actually looking at launching the company's first intranet. And I actually came on as part of that team uh, to represent the uh, PR side and actually worked with that team to develop the company's first intranet. From there, it went different directions, and I started developing sites uh, for different areas of the company, which naturally uh, led to more on the tech side. And I actually became a shared position between PR and information technology, and that was kind of a, a first for the company to have somebody kind of split between the two, the communications and the technology side. So from there, I, you know, a, a couple of years out, I actually had been watching what was going on in social media two years ago, and I kind of put together the initial plan for some social media initiatives for Toyota to move forward and presented that to upper management, and that's where we've kind of been from there, and it's, it's been an interesting journey since then. 
Now, um, you guys did a, a pretty bold move at the auto show in Detroit um, earlier this year by uh, revealing uh, the Prius, the new body style, the 09 Prius, um, not just to the press, but also live on your online newsroom, you know, without a password, uh, with, with no password protection. Um, t- talk to us about what, what the, uh, the impetus was for, for that move. Well, you know, with the economy where it was and, and people's travel budgets being cut, we wanted to find a way that we could give, give audiences the auto show experience without having to actually be there on the floor. So uh, what we did is we worked to uh, develop a live feed uh, of the previous reveal from Detroit, and it allowed the media who couldn't travel and the bloggers who wouldn't have access to that show to be part of that introduction, one, by going to our site and reporting on the introduction and then grabbing our assets, which are our photography and any embeddable video. And then, two, those who wanted to actually use our feed, we gave them the embed code. So it was a win-win. They could actually put the feed on their sites and draw you know, traffic to their sites, and you know, we get the clicks. They get the traffic to their site. It was a win-win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we didn't really care whether they watched it on our newsroom or they embedded our feed. It was more or less, you know, casting that net, see what we could get. Because we actually, at, at the point, you know, an hour before we actually did that live feed, I actually talked a couple uh, automotive sites into using our feed because it was a much better feed as well. I mean, they had cameras at the back of the room. We had a live feed that was actually cutting to, to a video of the reveal and uh, what was on the screen. So it was a win-win for everyone. And why not password protect it? Because I know uh, a lot of organizations are uh, in, in, um, enticed by the opportunity to collect information on who's actually watching it. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we're getting away from password protection on a lot of stuff. We're just seeing the progression of, of this change in media as well. And, you know, password protecting and having to make a judgment call on the influence of a blogger versus someone in the automotive media, we're realizing that this change in media is taking place. So we're making it available to everyone. So, so I guess the prospect of leveraging the media to get the word out there is becoming, I don't know, would you say, you know, less, less effective, uh, less feasible? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I think I, I've heard you say, too, that, you know, our, our newsroom, I think I heard you say in a recent podcast that our newsroom is kind of where, where these, you know, media transactions are taking place. And, you know, with shareable video photography or clips, some of the point of view editorials we're putting on there, it just it just makes sense to cast the wider net and take advantage of the, the change in media. So talk to us about the objective of your online newsroom. What do you what, what is Toyota trying to achieve with its online newsroom? Um, where in the past, you know, we had a newsroom that was password protected. Uh, all of the sections uh, actually actually most of the sections were password protected. We just realized that, you know, as we started getting calls from more influential blogs and stuff, that we were having to make a judgment call on who we saw as media and who we didn't. And it's just to the point where we don't want to make that call because we, we don't want to have to play the influence game of who has more influence over the other. We realized that this shift has uh, really leveled the playing field. And so we want to make it all available. We also realize that customers now are coming into dealerships very educated, and we think we should educate them, you know, firsthand with our information, so that when they come into the dealership, you know, the, the information is is right, and it's not it's not about having to educate the customers. It's more or less about the customer service and getting them in the vehicle they want. Now, Toyota also has a Flickr account, a YouTube channel, a Twitter feed. How do you decide what content goes where? What goes in the online newsroom versus on these social media sites? Yeah, right now, because the online newsroom is really, you know, uh, 
news focused and we're getting more and more content on the marketing side. We're using YouTube to kind of put some of that in there. Some of the commercials and lifestyle stuff that we're doing is playing really well on uh, YouTube. I mean, our current video on there is, is we took a, a uh, 2010 Prius to a neighborhood and did a neighborhood party and kind of captured captured the excitement around it. And it's been up there for a week and it's got 47,000 views by way of pushing it to our uh, through our consumer marketing newsletter. So it's been playing really well on the marketing side to have the YouTube channel. Twitter, when we first went into it, we thought we were going to use it for just straightforward pushing out our PR messaging from our newsroom, our press releases, our photo albums, some of our video. And we've realized that the, you know, the Twitter game, no matter how you want to go on there and have a strategy, the, the followers drive how it's going to be used. You know, when we're on there, we're not just PR. We're PR, we're marketing, we're customer service, and at some points we're also representing the dealer body. So it's been really interesting uh, use of that channel. Talk to us about uh, people and process um, because you guys are the biggest automaker in the world. Um, so, so how do you decide who's going to do what? H- how does a decision get made to post content to the online newsroom? Is there a committee? Is th- are there individuals that are, are, are working off of guidelines? H- how does it work? Uh, it's been real interesting because that's the phase that we're at right now in the company, and it's been really fun to watch different parts of the company come together. That right now is, is the power of social media within Toyota. It's breaking down silos every day. You know, when I started working on this initially, you know, the lines, be- I, I saw the lines between PR and marketing being blurred. Had I pulled back a little more, I'd see that it's touching customer service and the dealer side. I mean, a prime example of this, now that these silos are breaking down and we're all starting to work together, we have standing meetings every Thursday with marketing groups. There's social media meetings where the marketing groups are represented, customer services represented, uh, some of our dealer training groups are represented. I mean, we recently found out that our dealer training group was producing a series of 36 Prius videos, all under three minutes. They explain the different technologies of the 2010 Prius. We realized that this content was going to serve other audiences besides the dealers, and they were completely okay with us using that content. We uploaded that album to our newsroom, and those videos have really become the basis for how we're answering kind of what I call that. At this point in the conversation, the file ended abruptly. So um, Scott DeJager was kind enough to reschedule with me, and I'm going to play for you the uh, remainder of our interview right now. Scott DeJager, welcome back. Thanks, Eric. As I mentioned to you, uh, we lost the second half of the original interview, mm-hmm. so we're reconvening to re-record the second half right now. So thanks for taking time to do that. I appreciate it. No problem. Um, what does it take to be an effective social media supervisor at Toyota? I'd say right now, especially for with where we are, um, it's got to be the ability to keep a lot of balls in the air at the same time. Um, also, uh, because you know the silos are coming down and the groups are all starting to come up and notice social media and want to be a part of it, the ability to connect groups within the company, um, because it's being integrated into what we're doing in marketing and it touches customer service and our dealers are starting to dabble in it. We need to make sure that all these groups are, are talking and communicating and playing by the same rules and the best practices that our group is developing. Um, Toyota, obviously, major consumer brand, very well-known company, very large company. Um, and you know, one would perceive the company as having a shortage of resources. Mm-hmm. Um, why did company decide to outsource its online newsroom instead of building it in-house or customizing an open house, an open source platform? Um, well, we originally um, looked at iPressroom. We brought an iPressroom and we talked to them, 
and based off of what we saw on the back end and the ma- the back end management model for how we wanted to manage it in house, it made sense to go with iPressum. It was also very flexible, and uh, the iPressum team was flexible as far as adding functionality that we were going to need down the road. Um, the model that we're using, where we have multiple contributors and uh, administrators to approve content, it just the, the back end suited the exact model for how we wanted to manage it. And, and, you know, we're looking to continually build this newsroom into the hub for all of Toyota's U.S. communications. And we, we uh, chose iPressroom because we saw them being able to grow with us. It's uh, a very expansive press room. It's not just, uh, you know, a, a sort of media relations resource. There are, uh, uh, there are branded sections. Uh, there's uh, you know, hundreds, if not thousands, of pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this isn't the first online newsroom that Toyota had because you had one before iPressroom. Correct. How was the experience of, 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 of transitioning to a new vendor? Uh, it, it, was actually, it was actually great working with the iPressroom team. The, the problem that we had with the original uh, newsroom press room that we had is none of that content was shareable. You know, it was very awkward in the way that we uh, offered a video to our audience. So getting that transferred in right away into uh, a form that was very shareable, that offered downloads and embeddable content, it, it, was, it was a great experience. Now, you know, some of the things that we dealt with as far as having our old content, the way it was tagged moving over was a little tough, and we're still cleaning up sections of the site, but all in all, it's been a, it's been a great transition. Uh, let's talk for a minute about integrating Twitter into the site. What was your strategy for integrating Twitter into Toyota's online newsroom? Well, we actually had our Twitter account before we launched the new newsroom, and uh, the idea behind the Twitter account initially was to just use it to drive uh, our Twitter followers to our content on our newsroom, any press releases, any video that we had. Uh, so that was the original goal. Now what we're looking to do is possibly bring Twitter into the actual newsroom. And we haven't got there yet, but uh, we're looking at different models for how we actually want to integrate Twitter into our newsroom so those who are on the newsroom can actually see our Twitter feed coming through as well. Now the Twitter feed is Toyota Newsroom. That's how it's branded. Correct. And then I notice in the sidebar you have the people who contribute to the feed. How does that work? Correct. Um, the model that we're going with is we actually have everybody who's in the background sidebar has an individual account, and they represent the different areas uh, of our corporate communications team, environmental safety, quality, media relations and sales, uh, community and philanthropy. So we actually, in order to keep this account living and breathing and have all of those subject matter experts available, they have their individual accounts, and they are represented through the Toyota Newsroom account. Because when I initially opened that account, it didn't have a name attached to it, and I noticed right away in the first, first few weeks when I was answering questions from individuals, the second thing I'd get the follow-up question would be, who am I talking to? They want to know that there's a name and a face behind the folks who are actually engaging with them in Twitter. So on the sidebar, it has the at um, user ID of the Twitter contributor. Correct. Um, so does that mean that when you post to your individual Twitter account, it's automatically piped through with something like Twitter feed to the corporate account, or is that manual? That's all manual, yeah. None of that actually feeds through. And what we do is, you know, kind of the goal with the individual accounts is we use it to retweet some of the Toyota stuff and push it through. And we'll actually, some of the individuals will get questions. Some some folks go to the Toyota Newsroom account and they see 
that, for example, someone who represents community and philanthropy, and they'll actually go to that individual and route their question directly to that person without going through the newsroom. So it offers them the flexibility to go straight to that individual or go through the newsroom. Either way, that individual is going to get to them because I route all of the questions to those individuals. Some of the criticism that I've heard of organizations that have a corporate Twitter account um, which is uh, um, where the discussion is handled by people at the organization is, hey, how can I have an organization with a brand? You know, a brand is not a person. Brands mm-hmm. don't talk. So how do you make it transparent to someone that would want to engage with Toyota Newsroom that they're talking to an individual instead of someone invisible behind the brand? Yeah, that was, that was the whole goal of what we were trying to do. Our, our goal, first and foremost, was to put the brand first. I mean, as, as PR people re- who are represented on that page, we know that that's first and foremost, the brand comes first. But what we have to do is we have to uh, put our, our personalities and, and the individual knowledge that we have in these certain areas out there because uh, that's what's actually – we're actually out there answering these individual questions, and we're actually attaching our names to some of these tweets. When we get these direct messages – if it's a sales question, it's signed by that salesperson, and then they'll go back to that person, and they'll actually go out there to other people and say, hey, this is the media relations person from Toyota, and it actually, actually helps us route the information much more effectively. And I noticed that when you sign them often, you'll just put dash Scott instead of at Scott. Yes. Why is that? Uh, we wanted to make sure that it wasn't – the idea behind the Toyota Newsroom account is not to actually build our personal accounts. As I said, the brand comes first. Now, our personal accounts are there. If they want to do the due diligence and put our names in and follow us, that's perfectly fine. But we're not there to promote our personal accounts. So that's kind of the thinking behind that. What about Flickr and YouTube? Because I know you have also integrated that into the newsroom mm-hmm. and with direct links. And yes. you're posting content to Flickr and YouTube as well. Um, um, you know, why did you decide to go with corporate accounts for Flickr and YouTube versus personal accounts? Yeah, it's, it's because mostly, first and foremost, you know, working for a company this size, a large company, the roles and responsibilities of these individuals on these accounts often change. So as I said before, you know, we put the brand first and foremost when we develop these accounts. And then the names and titles of these people down the road will, we'll, you know, some of them will change but the brand will always be present. So we use the personalities who run these accounts to add that human touch that's necessary when having real conversations on these accounts. But we don't want to have to, if someone leaves that position, have to transition that whole personal account into someone else's name or then at that point turn it into the brand. Talk to us, if you would, about the settings that you elected to um, put onto the very social media accounts that you uh, established. I mean, are comments moderated? Are they restricted? Is everything wide open? And and how do you or do you uh, control whether or not, you know, you're going to get comment trolls or, or um, you know, people on there that maybe aren't interested in a constructive, productive conversation, but rather just want to sort of throw mud? How do you deal with that? Yeah, as far as the accounts go... The only one that is moderated right now is the actual newsroom one because there are, as you said earlier, so many pages and so many pieces of content that people can comment and leave feedback on. We moderate those. As far as uh, the YouTube channels, the Flickr channels go, those are completely open, but we reserve the right to go in, and I do this all throughout the day. I'll go in and, you know, based off of somebody using vulgar language or uh, a tone that's just not right or... Or changing, or, or trying to possibly, you know, change the subject of the thread, 
we reserve the right to remove those. And at some point, you know, if somebody's in there trying to really, really spam us, we'll actually go in and block them. But they are completely open. I always say um, to people that I'm working with, you know, always acknowledge, uh, but don't necessarily engage everyone. Mm-hmm. If they're not interested in a productive, constructive two-way conversation, maybe acknowledge, but don't engage. Yep. Um, how do you decide? Because, I mean, you've got so much content out there. You're so visible. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you decide, you know, whose comments to really engage and have a discussion with versus, you know, who gets one response and yeah. and, and then you move on? I would say first and foremost, the majority of what we get is just that a comment of saying, hey, I, I love this. I like this. I'm a fan. We usually don't touch those because of the amount that we're dealing with. Uh, but the stuff when somebody comes in and they ask a straightforward question, first and foremost, we try and get answers to those questions immediately. If someone puts out something that would be considered misinformation, we try and correct that as well. Um, you know, we're not in there to, to, to have arguments with folks as well, but we'll, we'll do that. If someone comes in and they question something we're doing or, or something we're supporting, we'll go in there and we'll answer that question and we'll leave it at that. We won't go into a verbal war with them because usually what happens if, our, if we feel that our answer is complete, if we have somebody, a detractor on there, usually what happens, our answer is strong enough that the rest of uh, the people who are engaging on there will usually level it off and, and back us. You know, when I'm doing this podcast, I often don't really get to hear all the answers. And uh, I, do, I do usually listen to them afterwards, and then I really get to hear what's being said. Mm-hmm. And when I first started, I've learned a lot about yeah. uh, doing interviews uh, over the th- three and a half years I've been doing it. But one of the things I learned fairly early on is that, uh, you know, I can't have the last word on my own podcast. It's not nice for me to ask a question, and then if I don't like the answer, to go back and ask another question. Yeah. And sort of try, try to put the person in the corner to say, you know, what I want them to say. Um, and my experience has been that, you know, this podcast works best when I don't have the last word. Mm-hmm. Do you have a similar experience with uh, social media communications? No, I completely agree with you. I, it's just, like you said, it's, it's just not the nice way to go. And if you're trying to build community and get other folks to engage and talk with you, it's, it's, just, not, it's just not a good strategy. It's just not the way to go. Um, is there anything else uh, that we haven't talked about uh, that you'd like to talk about with respect to um, w- uh, what Toyota is working on from a social media communication standpoint? Um, right now, I would say I would say where we are is all the brands are starting to come to the table. It's it's going to be interesting. I'd say uh, watch us in the next year because I would say at the stage we're at right now. All the different areas of the company are waking up, and I spend a lot of my time, like I said, connecting people and giving a lot of the, the same talks, the educational talks about here's what we need to do, here's our strategy, here's where we're going. Um, I can't talk to a specific campaign or anything coming up, but uh, I will say pay close attention to what's, what, what you're going to see from us in the next year because a lot of groups are coming together and we're coordinating. It should be really interesting. I mentioned to you before we started that we have a second set of ears listening in on this uh, mm-hmm. recording here. It's uh, Jessica Shu who has been interning with me for the summer. Mm-hmm. And those of you who have noticed the keen show notes we've had for the last six episodes, those have been largely thanks to Jessica. And, um, and so what, what I'd like to ask the final question for her. Okay. Um, what advice do you have for young people that would like to secure a job in social media communications at a major organization like Toyota? I would say right now, uh, 
spend time in it. I mean, people who come in and have knowledge of a lot, how a lot of these channels work and have a presence in these channels. I mean, just using this stuff on a day in day out basis is a great starting point. Um, you know, a lot of people are just looking for other people who know how to use these tools and know kind of the rules to play by. I mean, I had to learn when I first got on Twitter how to use it and kind of the rules of engagement on Twitter. So just knowing how to use those tools when you come into a company, they're already going to look at you like, whoa, this person already uses this. It's integrated into their daily life, and, and that's going to go a long way. You know, I, 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 I said I was I, – I want to ask one more question. Mm-hmm. For those of us that are, are waiting to jump in and get a hybrid – What's I mean? Do we do it now? Is the is the new one that's coming going to be better? What what's in store for the future of hybrids? Well, I mean, if if you've taken a look at the 2010 Prius, this is it's it's an amazing car. You know, it's it's 50 miles per gallon, bigger engine, more power. Uh, it's just it's an amazing vehicle. I actually had a chance to uh, drive it a couple months ago, and it's it's an amazing car. I would say it's a, it's a great time to buy a car right now. It's, it's a wonderful time. I mean, you look at where the economy is. If there was ever a time to make a deal on a car, this is it. This is it. So, Is the 2010 out now? 2010 should be available at the end of this month. Okay, so we should wait until the end of May. Yeah. June is the month mm-hmm. for the Prius 2010. Prius 2010 and any information you'd want on the 2010 Prius uh, is available uh, on our uh, toyotanewsroom.com site. And also, we have a lot of wonderful overview and how-to videos on the specific features of the vehicle on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash USA. So check that out as well. And the press room, if you want to visit that, is pressroom.toyota.com. You can visit that, yeah. And we also have – you can actually enter through the, through the multiple brand sites as well. So you can also enter through toyotanewsroom.com. LexisNewsroom.com and SignOnNewsroom.com as well. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Okay. Scott DeAger, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.